Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Hello, and welcome to the show. We're here to talk about Bitcoin, because that's what we talk about every week on the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Now, you may be a boomer, you may not be a boomer. That really doesn't matter on this show. What matters is that you are interested in learning a little bit about Bitcoin, because that's what we try to do, is we try to educate you on Bitcoin by bringing experts from around the world, basically, on to talk about Bitcoin, different parts of Bitcoin, different factors and features of Bitcoin. So this show, as normal, is going to be about Bitcoin. But I do have a little addition for you this morning. I have an email that someone sent us, Joe out of Kansas. Now, Joe out of Kansas wants to know what I think about a cryptocurrency called XRP. Well, Joe, I think it's trash. This is the Bitcoin Boomer Show, not the Crypto Boomer Show. I only talk about Bitcoin. I don't care about crypto. You see, to me and to many people, you have Bitcoin over here, and then you have 20,000 other cryptocurrencies that are all just pieces of you know what. So to me and my friends, Bitcoin is the future of the world. The other 20,000 cryptocurrencies are just plays for money. People trying to take your money, Ponzi schemes, scams, things that won't last, I believe. So if you want to invest and try to change the world and build something, you go to Bitcoin. Now, if you want to trade and play around and just worry about making temporary money instead of long-term games, you go to a crypto. Because as in 2017, we saw all the cryptocurrency bubbles pop. And most of them didn't come back. Right now, we're seeing tons of them pop, which won't come back. Bitcoin has always been there, and I believe it always will be. Now, on today's show, to get down to the topic of today's show, we have a friend of mine, Bo Bo Dredd. Bo Bo Dredd is a great guy that's been in Bitcoin a long time, and he's going to tell us about, well, Bitcoin, of course. We're going to talk about Bitcoin Beach which if you're not aware with Bitcoin Beach, it's in El Salvador, and that's where the whole Bitcoin revolution started, which led to El Salvador creating Bitcoin as the national currency of their country. We're gonna talk about what Bitcoin Beach has done and what's happening with El Salvador since they've made their investment into Bitcoin. I think you're gonna enjoy this show, and as I say every week, please share this show with somebody. Tell someone you know who you think might be interested about Bitcoin to watch or listen to this show. So we'll be right back with Bobo Dread right after this word from our sponsors. Okay guys, this is Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, and you need to come here if you want to find out what Bitcoin is, if you want to just meet some great people and have a great time, come to Bitblock Boom. But there's one thing, you have to be a Bitcoiner. We don't allow shitcoiners. Last week in August, every year, moving to Austin. Yeah, I love coming to Bitblock Boom because it's like it's like Mecca for Bitcoiners. Like everybody here is like part of the hardcore, like inner sanctum. Um, you just have these conversations with everybody where like you can see it in their eyes that they believe the same things that you believe. You come to Bitblock Boom once, you're gonna come every year. Speakers are great, the networking is great, because you know that's really what it's about when you're uh a Bitcoiner, especially when you're a new Bitcoiner, is you want to network with as many Bitcoiners as you can, learn, 
because there's so much information, not only about Bitcoin, but about money in general. Hey, so I'm down here at BitBlock Boom, and what energy, what a lot of fun. It's all Bitcoiners and uh, just good people. That's the one thing that, that all my interactions that I've had with people, you can tell you're just dealing with a culture of people that just want to make the world a better place. So if you want to come to a Bitcoiner conference, not a crypto conference or a shitcoiner conference, if you want to come to a Bitcoin conference, you would come to Bitblock Boom. But like I said, don't even mess with it. Don't even think about it. Don't even attempt to buy a ticket if you're a shitcoiner because your money's going to come back and you'll just make us both work. But if you're a Bitcoiner, you need to sign up and come to Austin now. Come to Bitblock Boom. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. If you've just joined us, I'm your host, Gary Leland, and we do this show, we record this show, we send this show out to help educate you about Bitcoin. That's it. We wanna help you meet people involved in Bitcoin and help you learn and get to know what Bitcoin is, and you can make your own mind up if Bitcoin is something you wanna get involved with or invest in. But if nothing else, you're gonna be able to talk to people and know something about the subject. If, you, if you're at the water cooler and they're talking about Bitcoin, you're gonna be able to join them and know something instead of being completely in the dark. Now today, we have a friend of mine on, a special guest who's been at my conference twice speaking. He's been more times than twice though. A friend of mine, Bobo Dredd. Bobo, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it very much, you taking the time. And how are you doing today, my friend? Hey, Gary, thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, I've been watching a couple episodes before and I hope I can fill the big shoes that you've had on the show before, but I'm really happy to be here. I don't think you're gonna have any problem there. And I have plenty of questions and informations to go, information I wanna get out of you. But first of all, before we go any further, let's give everybody uh, your bio or tell everybody who you are, what you're doing in the Bitcoin world, basically. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm Dread. They call me Bobo Dread, but I just go by Dread a lot of times. Um, I call myself an international Bitcoin advocate, mainly because um, since I've fallen on the rabbit hole of Bitcoin, I've been traveling all around the world, um, learning about Bitcoin and spreading the information about Bitcoin as well. So I'm really, you know, I, I like to call myself an educator, but it's really more me learning than educating most of the time. And um, my background is also in IT, in technology. So I've been doing a lot of development in my life and that has now transitioned into Bitcoin as well. So you can call me a Bitcoin traveler, a Bitcoin educator and a Bitcoin developer. You know, I have a real hard time with that. Uh, people ask me what I do for a living. And since I have either sold or retired from all my previous businesses, all I do is Bitcoin every day. I mean, if I'm not watching Bitcoin, I'm talking about Bitcoin, or I'm being interviewed about Bitcoin, or I'm working on the conference, but that's all I do, and I have a real hard time with that answer when someone asks me what I do for a living. So I recently started saying I'm a Bitcoin educator, and I feel I am since I put on the conference and I've written, been involved with books and stuff, but I have a really hard time with that uh, a question when people give it to me. I don't know why. Um, but. Let's go on, tell people how you found out about Bitcoin. That's the next question we ask everybody. What is your Bitcoin moment, your orange pill moment? How did you get involved or fall down the rabbit hole? Yeah, that's an interesting story. And, and I've, 
faced the same criticisms or same challenges that you faced in terms of knowing after falling on a rabbit hole, what to call myself, you know, like what really am I right now? And yeah, I, I can understand your, 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 your frustration, but my rabbit hole story began when I was working for a technology firm in the US and a couple of friends of mine were seeing the Bitcoin price go up and they were talking about, you know, getting rich, buying Lambos, that kind of stuff, the usual. And um, that really interests me first. I got in for the riches, I guess you could say. Um, unfortunately, that was at the peak of the 2017 hype cycle. And um, I bought at the top and also bought a bunch of coins and lost my ass on them. Like everything, like not everything, but, you know, that the, 2018 was rough. So a lot of the people that I got in with, they ended up, you know, just disappearing, forgetting about Bitcoin and crypto and saying it's all trash. And me, on the other hand, I'm usually like a dog with a bone on things because I knew that I saw something important in Bitcoin and I wanted to know what that was. So instead of just discarding all the research that I did on all these other coins, I started digging deeper into why this was a thing in the first place. Where did this all originate from? And I started reading things and, and you know, back then, Unfortunately, in my generation, if you wanted to know a lot of things, you'd usually either go on Google or go on YouTube. And we all know YouTube is not the greatest place for information on Bitcoin. But, you know, I started searching and finding a lot of crap, a lot of chart analysis and crap like that. But then I found the BTC Sessions YouTube channel. And he had a, I don't remember the name of the actual video, but it was something like my journey into Bitcoin maximalism. That's what it was. And that really made me realize for, for the first time that, okay, maybe there is something to this with, that I'm missing. Maybe there's something about Bitcoin that I'm missing that's not just every other cryptocurrency, like, like my friends were, were saying. And um, BTC Sessions then recommended a bunch of other um, articles and podcasts to listen to and, and read. And that really started my rabbit hole journey. I started listening to the, you know, the, the things that were in my cohort at the time, like the bullish case for Bitcoin by Vijay Boyapati, that really had an impact on me and made me understand the, the, core, um, the core tenets of money, really. That was one of my first deep dives. And then um, the other parts of Bitcoin, too, that really gave me a solid understanding of what I was dealing with, like Bitcoin Astronomy by Dhruv Banzal. I really love that one. He's with Unchained Capital. Or... Um, Bitcoin is a decentralized organism by Brandon Quidham. It really taught me things that you didn't really realize Bitcoin could be related to, but it, it still very accurately described the power that Bitcoin has from a different angle. And then I started getting into the classics. So I, I took the reverse you know, cycle where I really looked at all the cosmic and the different subjective things first, and then got into the classics like the Bitcoin standard with, with um, Seyfedina Moose, the sovereign individual with Davidson, and then once I started going faster and wanted to learn more, I started listening to Bitcoin Audible episodes too, where Guy Swan would read a lot of these articles. And that really dove me way down the rabbit hole. And um, then started being able to apply my own knowledge from the world into what I'm learning. And, and then, you know, that's, that's where I'm here now, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, all of those are great books. And I've read every one of those books and listened to Guy for years and years. And... Um, you know, I think a lot of people got into Bitcoin, or a lot of people I know, in 2017. Um, that was one of those main bumps when people got into Bitcoin. 
Um, maybe we'll see a big bump of people who will later be saying, I got in when it hit 60,000. Maybe that'll be another one. But a lot of them got in at, uh, in 2017, as I did, like you. But luckily, I got in much earlier. So when it did drop back down from, what, 19,000 to 3,500 or 3,000, I still was okay. I just missed the money I had made. And another thing I have to agree with you on, and I don't think you are the only person that has done this. I did it. You know, when you first get into Bitcoin, you join the uh, crypto roulette and you go roulette and you say, hey, maybe if Bitcoin went from a nickel to 20,000, 30,000, whatever, maybe one of these other ones will go from a penny to a dollar. You know, I'll take a gamble and you lose. I mean, you know, your, your number never comes up on that roulette wheel for the most part. So uh, you're better off just to stay with the Bitcoin in the first place. And it's hard. But, you know, once you go through a couple of those, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. You got to touch the stove once. Feel how hot it is before you leave those coins alone. Yeah, you definitely do. And that's a hard thing for people to do. You know, do you think it's harder to go from 20000 in 2017 to 3500 Take that number. Do you think it's harder to do that or to go from 65000 to uh, seventeen? for somebody who's new. Mm. I think it's harder to go from the 65 to 17, even though they probably are the same, close to the same percentage. Yeah, because to me, thinking about it from where I am, it, it feels the same, to your point. It's the same percentage. And when you get to a certain level of Bitcoin Zen, where you really don't care about the price, the price is just entertainment, then it doesn't really make a difference. But for a newbie that's just getting into Bitcoin for the first time, I would say the bigger numbers are going to be more shocking. Going from 60,000 where you could buy a nice new car to, you know, 17,000 where you know you could you could barely pay a couple of months of mortgage with that, then you're 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 really freaking people out at that point, right? There because people like to look at the forecast of what they can purchase with this value of their money. And when they realize that they went from a car to a mortgage payment or a house to a car or like big things are they're losing in real time. It freaks people out. And I, I think that um, once you get past that materialistic view of what you're saving and realize that you're actually saving your own time, then it changes you and you don't really worry about it as much. But I think newbies would worry much more about the 60,000 drop than the 20,000 drop. I, I agree completely. I think the, even though the percentages is the same, that's harder. Now, we'll be right back with Dread after these words from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, joined today by Bobo Dredd. Dredd, let's get back into this conversation here. I have one more question I ask everybody who comes on this show. And that is, and I don't give anyone a warning, I probably should tell people these questions ahead of time. What is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? Give me your definition. Yeah, well, um, and there's been many analogies used to describe Bitcoin. Uh, just like Plan B's models, they're, they're all inaccurate, but they're very helpful. And um, to me, Bitcoin is like a, a new form of, of truth and a new form of property rights and a new form of, of, of symbolizing what we consider to be this ethereal thing called freedom um, or a digital form of it. But Honestly, there's, there's no real 
And there's no real thing you can compare Bitcoin to. It's absolutely, completely new, in my opinion. It's a combination of things we know of, in, you know, in the technology space, in the economic space, in the, in the human action and game theory space. But it's, it's a very new thing. And I like to describe it as freedom, mainly because these things that we put together is helping people to achieve freedom in so many different ways. Achieve freedom from, you know, financial um, oppression, achieve freedom from actual geographic oppression, because you might be locked into a certain country or jurisdiction through capital controls. Um, Achieve freedom to be able to communicate your value across time and space with people that you weren't able to do that with before. So that allows new paths, new networks to form where they weren't able to form before. Um, it allows people to organize better because you can use that value to organize. It's, it's really a, a strong tool for freedom, a strong tool to defend freedom that we've never had before. And without this tool, we see the direction the world has been going for a very long time. And I think with this tool that we have, um, I don't like to really get too geopolitical because I feel like I'm post-political on that aspect. But with this tool, we'll be able to see different ways that freedom can manifest, similar to a seed growing out of the ground that we've never seen before. So I would really narrow it down to Bitcoin being you know, a symbol. Uh, it has a lot of different things that it can do. And there's a lot of different re- ways you can describe the benefits or the assets that you can get out of Bitcoin, but it's really boils down to just being, you know, a new form of freedom that we're using in many different ways. Okay. I think that's as good an answer as I've had uh, from anyone else. It's amazing. Everybody's answers are kind of the same, but they're really a lot different. But um, that kind of makes sense though, since Bitcoin is the same for everybody and they have their own personal thoughts and views and the way it affects them. Um, You know, you were one of the first people I ran into or I met that actually knew a lot about Bitcoin Beach. Um, I think when you talked at uh, BitBlockBoom, which you're talking at BitBlockBoom again this year, um, that's a conference, by the way, I host in Austin, Texas, for those who aren't familiar, every August in Austin, Texas. But uh, Bobo, you, when you spoke there, you talked about uh, Bitcoin Beach, if I remember correctly, and things going on around there. This was before, uh, I believe it was before El Salvador had announced, you were involved or knew about Bitcoin Beach before El Salvador even announced that they were moving to a Bitcoin standard or making Bitcoin a currency. Tell me a little bit about Bitcoin Beach and people who aren't familiar with it. This is really kind of an amazing story. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, yeah, I was, I was, because my speech on Bitcoin Bitblock Boom, which is by far the best Bitcoin conference of all of them, you can take it from me. Um, I was talking about my country, Jamaica, and I, I related it to Bitcoin Beach because I wanted it to be just like Bitcoin Beach after going down there. Um, and when I went to Bitcoin Beach the first time, I, I really just went because I wanted to try and emulate what they were doing. I wanted to copy it in Jamaica. And as I was learning about it down there, everything was happening around me. It was almost serendipitous. So um, I saw a bunch of big companies that were down there trying to, you know, help this this budding ecosystem community in El Zante, which is a beach town um, on the, I want to say an hour south of the capital of El, El Salvador. So let's back up and talk about El Salvador. El Salvador is a developing nation in Central America. 
and they have a very rough history of um, one de-dollarizing the country, you know, moving to the U.S. dollar suddenly. So a lot of people lost a lot of value in that um, rush conversion. Um, they also have a lot of uh, a lot of, I guess you can say, a, a rough history of violence in terms of gangs, um, in terms of political upheaval. It, it, it's not a very, um, it is, well, I guess not many countries have a pretty history, but this one still had a very recent rough history. And people were worried that another change would cause more upheaval, more instability. However, Bitcoiners, we know a little bit different. So when um, they, so let's start from the, from the El Zante. Uh, Michael, what is his name? Can't remember what is the guy's name from Bitcoin Beach, Michael. I, I don't know. I can't think. I can't think of say. Let's just say Michael. Let's just say a surfer guy named Michael. <laughs> a surfer guy named Michael from California was down there surfing, and he said, "Let's start a little community." And he got a donor, an anonymous donor, and the anonymous donor said, "I'm going to give you guys a lot of Bitcoin, but you have to keep it in the community. You can't spend it." How much Bitcoin, cash, approximately, that was? It. Do you know approximately how much Bitcoin that was? Because that's something I don't know. I mean, did he give him? 10 Bitcoin, 100 Bitcoin, 1,000 Bitcoin. I mean, some people have a lot of Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Do you ha- or do you I even have a guess? it was ongoing. Okay. It was, it was a, ongoing. A supply the, line. The beginning part was some, somewhere between 10 and 30 Bitcoin was okay. the beginning. Okay. Go on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've always wondered that. Bitcoin was like what? Between $3,000 and $5,000, yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm not even sure how much Bitcoin so, was at the time. Probably. But like I said, that's something I've always wondered. I've never researched it, so... Uh, the first time I ever even thought about that. Go, go on. Sorry to interrupt you. No problem. I did my research on it and they wouldn't tell me because it was a very anonymous donor who wanted an anonymous amount sent. So I had to really dig to even get that range, you know, of how much they got. But um, they were not allowed to spend it. That was the main prerequisite. And it, so as a result, they kept it in the community. If someone wanted something, they would exchange that thing for Bitcoin. They couldn't use cash at all for the Bitcoin. And what that did is build a, a routine, a, a, a tradition, or what's the word, a habit for people to start using Bitcoin for their daily uses. Like, you know, they would go to a job and have um, of what used to be a volunteer beach service. Now you're getting paid in Bitcoin for, um, for securing or cleaning the beach, or you're getting paid in Bitcoin for teaching an English class or you're getting paid in Bitcoin for doing a, a workshop with kids or whatever it is that they had as volunteer programs, they would pay the people in Bitcoin and the people would turn around and use that Bitcoin for shopping, use that Bitcoin to pay bills, use that Bitcoin for whatever they needed to use it for. And it sounds kind of surreal at first because you're thinking to yourself, well, how the hell would they use Bitcoin to pay bills? Well, they would have someone as a middleman who would say, all right, well, you, you give me the Bitcoin and I will go ahead and pay the bill for you. And that became the utility company saying, oh, well, you guys are doing this already. You might as well just give us the Bitcoin. And so it kind of grew that way. And businesses started accepting Bitcoin. Um, by the time I got down there, hotels were already accepting Bitcoin. Every restaurant I went to had a Bitcoin sign on it. And um, it was really a full, full-blown circular economy of a few thousand people in a small beach town, just because a couple of surfers went down there and wanted to do it. And then the big thing that you guys heard is that the president noticed. I want to say Cash App and Strike and a bunch of other companies were down there building this thing. And the president noticed um, Naib Bukele. 
And he decided that he wanted to make the whole thing nationwide. He wanted to make this accessible to every El Salvadorian, every Salvadorian, and he made it legal tender. And that was a big thing that was announced at, at um, the other conference, Bitcoin 2021. And then um, after that, it just became, uh, it, be, it became something that was much bigger than what it was before. It started out as a small little beach town community that everybody was super excited and happy and teaching. And then it became, okay, this is geopolitical. This is, <laughs> this is bigger than anybody on a beach. And, you know, the beach is still there, but now it's something much bigger than that. And I'm really happy that it started on a small beach town. It shows you that Bitcoin is decentralized enough to start anywhere and make a global impact in the world. Well, and it is making a global impact and an impact down there in El Salvador. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. In case you're just joining us today, we're joined by Bobo Dredd, or Dredd as he's called. Now, I have a question for you. Let's get back on this subject we're talking about, because right now we're talking about uh, Bitcoin Beach, El Salvador. You know, you went down there and you saw this action happening. I'm wanting to go down there real bad. I can't talk my wife into it. She's still thinking it's a country run by terrorists because it's in South America. So we're, we're still working on that on her. Um, but South, uh, not only has Bitcoin Beach done well, which you just explained, but El Salvador going into it, not only has the country's got a currency now that's not dependent uh, or can't be devalued by another government, the tourism down there has kind of gone off the hook from what I understand, helping the economy even more. Bitcoin is helping the country even more than was expected. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. <clears throat> I think um, the, a combination of the, the tourism that, that exploded because not only are surfers excited to go down there now, but, but um, Bitcoiners from all over the world are excited to go down there and surf and hang out and spend their Bitcoin. Um, of course, spend and replace is always the best thing to do. You never just want to spend if you're going to spend it. You always want to replace it because Bitcoin is the best savings vehicle we know. Um, but they would go down there and spend it and have fun. And then the other thing is conferences. There are, I think, at least two conferences now booked um, in El Salvador on a yearly basis that bring thousands of people into the um, city and, and raise the awareness of, of El Salvador as a Bitcoin city. Um, but it's not just that. Like They've also created this contagious uh, awareness of, of the fact that this is possible in many places. So now there is a Bitcoin beach, Brazil. There is a Bitcoin beach, um, Guatemala. I think they call it Bitcoin Lake. There is a Bitcoin beach uh, is it in Costa Rica. There's at least four or five, even one in Africa. There's four or five different clones of Bitcoin beach now where you can pick where you want to go to vacation and have Bitcoin everywhere around you. So it's really cool. These Bitcoin, new Bitcoin beaches are these clones, let's call it. Are they having, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with that, to be honest with you. I'm not familiar with it at all, to be honest with you. Are they having impact on the local economies like Bitcoin Beach El Salvador did? It's still early. I think they, that Bitcoin Beach El Salvador just finished a, um, a, a blueprint or, you know, an official way to do this for everyone else. And other places just started implementing it. And this is, it took Bitcoin Beach El Salvador probably two and a half years to really get fully mature as a circular economy. 
So it's going to take them a while too. I would say probably in the next year, you're going to be really be able to see the, the local economy change based on um, Bitcoin being there, similar to how the local economy in El Zante completely changed based on Bitcoin being there. Well, that's pretty exciting news there. So El Salvador, you'd say their involvement in Bitcoin or becoming on the Bitcoin standard or adding Bitcoin as a currency is directly due to whoever donated that original Bitcoin to be used at Bitcoin Beach. If it wasn't for that, the chances are El Salvador still would not be using Bitcoin as a currency. 100%. I think that whoever that person is, they are just as important as Satoshi Nakamoto because without them, Bitcoin Beach wouldn't exist. And without Bitcoin Beach existing, all the other Bitcoin clones wouldn't exist. Bitcoin Beach Jamaica that I'm trying to build won't exist. And um, yeah, we, we wouldn't have this, this explosion of circular economies around the world. That's pretty exciting. That's really exciting. Now, you traveled down to Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador just to find out more information about it. And we talked before the show, you are a Bitcoin traveling. You were traveling around the world to get yourself educated. And because of that, you now are writing a segment of Bitcoin magazine every time it comes out for the Bitcoin travel guide. Is that right? That's right. Tell us about the Bitcoin travel guide. What am I going to learn there? What am I going to learn in Bitcoin travel guide? You're going to learn about the Bitcoiners in different parts of the world. You know, what things they like to do, but not just that, you're going to learn about their part of the world as well. A lot of Bitcoiners right now in America talk about Bitcoin and talk about America, but don't really know the other parts of the world that Bitcoin exists in or that people are excited about. The most recent one is in Amsterdam. And oh my God, the Bitcoiners in Amsterdam are just as crazy as the Bitcoiners in America. I think that they should all get together and have a big party. I think they're actually planning one um, for the Bitcoin conference. But in general, you'll learn all about the, the culture. You'll learn about the food. You'll learn about the places that I go to visit. You'll learn about the Bitcoin community there. You'll learn about how you can use Bitcoin in that country, the places that you can go to use it. And um, you'll learn about the, the struggles that they have. You know, not everything is sunshine and roses. So I talk about the different hardships that you have spending Bitcoin or the different laws in the different countries that might have... Um, you know, that might have, that might have uh, subdued the growth of Bitcoin in that country or the things that might have helped it um, explode in that country. And also the cultural changes in how people accept Bitcoin. Some countries are very hush-hush, like let's not talk about it because they don't want to get in trouble. And other countries are like, this is the best thing in the world. Let's shout it from the rooftops. So it's, it's a really cool um, exploration into different places in the world if you want to know how Bitcoin is affecting them. Speaking of what you just said there, the shouting from the rooftop in some places, don't you, I mean, I know you're going to agree with me here, but for those who are not Bitcoiners or not, have not fallen down the rabbit hole, you know, once you fall down the rabbit hole and once you get Bitcoin and you understand Bitcoin, not just once you own some Bitcoin, but once you understand Bitcoin, you kind of want to shout it from the rooftops and uh, dread it. And I'm not saying you want to shout it from the rooftops because you're wanting everybody to buy some so it goes up in value. You're wanting to shout it from the rooftops because number one, you've discovered something that's never existed in the history of mankind, a currency that's not controlled by any central entity. And number two, you want everybody else to be able to 
enjoy this technology and to be there and have some when it is unattainable for the average person to get which it is a lot more unattainable now than it was five years ago. And in five more years, the odds, I believe, of someone owning one Bitcoin are gonna be gone. I mean, uh, what, do you, what do you think of those thoughts? I think you're absolutely right, Gary, especially the fact that it's gonna be gone very soon. There are but 50 something million millionaires in the world. There's 21 million millionaires just in America alone. And there's only 21 million Bitcoin. So if every millionaire in America wants a Bitcoin, they're not all going to get one because, you know, we already have some. So how are they going to get 21 million Bitcoin? Right. And then you have people and you have people like Michael Saylor. He's knocked out hundreds of thousand billionaires. I mean, you know, that one guy has knocked out a thousand people from millionaires from getting a Bitcoin by himself. So you're right. There's no way all 21 million millionaires can get one Bitcoin. But go on. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't think he's selling. No, no, no. He's, selling either. He's, he's the biggest hodler there is. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Um, the, 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 the people that want to get it, that, that want to get it or that see it coming and, and um, understand it and want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm one of them. I've, I've been that way for a long time. I've wanted to tell people all about it. I've wanted everybody to enjoy this new future that we have. But I also have to temper myself sometimes because I realize that not everyone's ready to hear that information and you can't shove it down people's throats. Um, they, it's like, you know, Plato's cave. They're going to fight you to stay inside of that cave, even if you know for a fact that their life would be better on the outside. So I've really tried to focus my energies on, on learning and on building, you know, like coding, because I am, to your point earlier, a, a technology engineer. Um, by trade as well. <clears throat> and I just try to build, I just try to build tools and software that people will be able to use when they are ready. And it hopefully make their lives even easier as they onboard themselves or learn or, or cross that Rubicon from, from living in today's um, hyperinflationary fiat world to um, a new sound money world of Bitcoin. Well, you're 100% correct on the limiting yourself while shouting it from the rooftops. Some people are not prepared to hear it. And, you know, you're really taking, or I know I'm taking that chance of going, oh, people are going, oh, there's Gary. Let's <laughs> don't go over there. All he's going to talk about is damn Bitcoin. You know, so my wife, even before we go to a party, my wife even tells me outside in the car, do not start talking about Bitcoin. And I'm going, well, what does someone ask me? And they go, everybody asks you. So quit it. Don't talk about it. But uh, we'll be right back with Dread right after these words from our sponsor. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. If you're just joining us today, we're joined by Bobo Dread from Jamaica. And we're talking about, well, we're talking about Bitcoin, of course. We're talking about Bitcoin. Now, we've covered some really good topics and some good subjects here. Something I didn't ask you about that I wanted to go into um, before I forget about it. Tell us about One Love Bitcoin. One Love Bitcoin. It's my passion project. Um, help me. Help, help. It was inspired with me by Corey Clipstein of Swan Bitcoin. And he said, hey, you should just do a podcast. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> He's like, no, for real, you should do a podcast and interview people. And I was like, all right, well, I'll try it out. And we ended up um, interviewing some really cool people in the beginning from El Salvador. And I realized I could interview people from every country around the world and learn, 
not just travel around the world, but interview them about Bitcoin. So One Love Bitcoin is my podcast that is talking about Bitcoin, obviously, but also about the, the world that we live in, this one world and how different people from each country um, look at Bitcoin and how it affects them in their country and how, you know, how we are all alike, how we're similar, even though we're different. And uh, my goal is to interview one person from every country. I think I've gone maybe 17 or 20 countries so far and out of the 197 that there are in the world. So a long way to go, many seasons, but um, it should be an exciting journey and I hope everybody joins me. Wow, that's uh, quite a goal to talk to someone from every country you go to, especially since some countries you go to, Bitcoin will be illegal. Um, some countries, I'm, yeah, exactly. I want to see you get into North that's Korea. Ones. <laughs> I want to see you get into North Korea and get out talking about Bitcoin. That, <laughs> that's the one I'm waiting to see there. But let's also go now, you said earlier. You, Luckily, I'm only going to be doing Zoom. <laughs> I agree. Um, Another thing you said earlier is you were you enjoyed coding tools for Bitcoin for Bitcoiners. One of the things you're involved with now is with uh, Matt from Start Nine. Start Nine is a great personal computer. Um, just so everybody know, I'm an investor in Start Nine, and I bought probably one of the first 50 of them they ever made a few years ago. I love this project. Please tell everybody about this. Yeah, um, Start Nine. It is, uh, to my, in my opinion, just like Bitcoin, something brand new um, because it's, it's, it's joining the concept of Bitcoin, sound money, and freedom and personal computing together. And Start9 gives you a personal server, which is a computer, but in your home, that you can treat as a server. Now, just a quick um, explanation of what that means. Today, if you're using a computer right now or you're jumping on Facebook, you're jumping on Google or Gmail, you are asking Google permission to look at your email. You are asking Facebook permission to read your messages and to look at your DMs and see pictures and watch TikTok videos. All that permission is a, is a server to client or master to slave relationship. You always have to ask permission for what you want. Start9 changes that whole paradigm. With Start9, you don't have to ask permission anymore because the server, the master computer, is yours. It's in your home. You, you have a little, you can see that on the screen, it's a little box or a phone or a, um, a, a mini computer that you can have right beside your router in your house. And you give it commands to obey because now the server is under your control. It changes the way that we look at data because today all these companies are using our data to make money off of advertising to, um, you know, data mine the, the information so they can sell us more stuff or sell it to other companies. Who knows where it's going? There's been data breaches across the board um, throughout the years that we've seen. So this eliminates all of that by keeping the data in your own um, jurisdiction, keeping the data in your own embassy, for lack of a better word. Um, so no one else can see that data unless you specifically give them permission to see it. It reverses the whole role. And I think that's gonna change computing as we know it. And I'm really happy to be building along Start9 with um, the different amazing products that they have. And the best part about it is that it's all open source. What that means is you can see every single line of code that's being written to create this personal computer and every single line of code is being written for all the software that's on it as well. So I, I really love the fact that anybody can come, they can build on it, they can submit software that, you, that can be run. And then if you have a Start9 Embassy, you can just click one click download and you can run that software too. 
There's no command line involved. You don't need to know how to code. You can literally, if you can, you, if you can run a Windows computer or if you can run a Mac, then you can run an embassy. You can actually run Bitcoin itself on the embassy. I mean, even the old embassy, you can run the Bitcoin uh, blockchain on there and store it and become part of the part of the uh, network, basically, and help support Bitcoin. And that's a great tool. I've been a believer in that company from the get-go. I don't think most people realize how much permission they're really asking or how much things can be cut off at, the, at any moment's notice. Like uh, the truckers in Canada found out when they went on strike, which I think everybody has a right to go on strike, and then they found their bank accounts closed. I mean, you're using even money with permission. It's not yours. You're just using it. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and the Canada truckers found out that same thing. Hong Kong protesters found out that same thing. Um, people in Palestine, everyone's found out in their own way that you're only asking permission to live. You're asking permission to spend money. You're asking permission to buy what you want to buy. And that should change. And, and the Canada truckers that got Bitcoin as part of their protest, they found out that there is an alternative way to um, own your money without permission. And I'm really happy that, that that's becoming normalized now. And if you have a Start9 embassy, before you had a Start9 embassy, you might have to write some code, you might have to configure some stuff to run your own node. Now, you one click button, you can run your own node and you can help strengthen the Bitcoin network that is all around the world. It's pretty cool that that can happen now without any coding knowledge required. And I think that we're also living in a false illusion in the United States, thinking, oh, that can't happen here. What happened in Hong Kong can't happen here. What happened in Canada can't happen here. I believe it definitely can happen here. It's just a matter of the scenario coming into play. So Start9 is, is a great tool to get anything you can do to get out of the centralized world. Hey, tell everybody where they can find you at, follow what you do, uh, so they can keep up with you and keep up with what you're up to. Yeah, yeah, I'm like the Jamaican Where's Waldo, right? Um, well, you can always find me online at Twitter, I'm Paul Vault Dream. Um, you can also usually find me at One Love Bitcoin if you want to watch episodes of me. It's YouTube, podcasts um, on Apple, all the different podcasts 2.0 as well. And uh, lastly, Telegram. I guess I'm usually there too if, you, if you're a Telegram user. Um, I'm in a lot of groups there, so you can just shout me at, oh, Plebnet. How could I not plug Plebnet? Plebnet? which has brought me into the lightning world of Bitcoin so much. Um, shout out to all the Plebnet users. And if you're interested, you can always find me there at plebnet.org, plebnet.org. It is an amazing, I call it an open university. We can learn all about Bitcoin and lightning for free because there are people there just teaching it for free. So join Plebnet if you're interested. Sounds like another great, where I am. great learning tool. A great resource. Before we go, we have about a minute or so left. I want to go into one thing, one more thing with you. Now, from what I understand, you were a professional pole vaulter. Tell us about that real quick. Tell us about your, in less than a minute, uh, pole vaulting. Pole vaulting tips from Dread. Okay, so pole vaulting. In Jamaica, if you are a track star, you're getting all the women. Just like in America, if you're a football quarterback, you get all the women. So I wanted all the women as a young kid. And I tried to pull, I tried to do track. I tried to run. I tried to high jump. I tried to long jump. I was terrible. And I ended up with pole vault because no one else was doing it. And I ended up being 
the best in the country and the best in my college. And um, I ended up representing my country internationally and having all the records in Jamaica for a very long time. Uh, I would say that pole vaulting is one of those things you do if you are just slightly crazy, but really competitive. And, um, and uh, it's one of those things that you, you learn a lot um, about both athleticism, discipline, and physics all at the same time. And I had a good career. I think uh, I, I would love to coach one day in the future. But for now, uh, if you type in my uh, pole vault dream in Google, you might see some videos of me jumping over some pretty high heights. Well, good time. I think that's pretty exciting. And Dred, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And um, I look forward to seeing you in Austin at the end of August for BitBlock Boom. I'm sure we'll have some great conversations and some great times down there. I think this is going to be our best event ever, and thanks for getting involved. And not only are you speaking, you're doing a workshop, and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dred. Thanks, Gary. See you in Austin. We'll be right back after this word. Hey, thanks for sticking with us today and watching the show. I really personally had a great time talking with Dredd, and I even learned some stuff. So, you know, that's one of the main reasons I do this show. It, it does help educate everybody else, but I am always learning something new about Bitcoin by hosting the show and bringing on guests. I think it's impossible to know and be up to date with everything happening with Bitcoin. So we kind of, this show, by bringing on guests, people who are involved in the Bitcoin, we keep you more up to date or more involved with what's happening in Bitcoin instead of reading a book or something like that that may be one or two years old. Sure, you're going to get that information from that book here, but you're going to get more current information. I also want to thank Biz TV and Biz Talk Radio for uh, allowing me in their studio and providing Stephanie over here at the board to help uh, run the show. I appreciate you, and I want to make sure you know about a couple things. Number one, we talked about uh, BitBlockBoom during the show with Dredd. BitBlockBoom is a Bitcoin conference I host every year in Austin, Texas this year. This is our fifth year and our best year yet. It's in at the end of August, so check out BitBlockBoom.com. Now, if you live in the Texas region or anywhere close to Texas or want to come to Dallas, Texas, check out BitBlockBarbecue.com. I host BitBlockBarbecue every month, usually the third or the fourth weekend in the month, but you can check out the site to find out about bitblockbarbecue.com. Just an opportunity to talk with Bitcoiners about Bitcoin. I also want to make you aware of the book I was involved in, Bitcoin and the American Dream. This is a great book. It's about, you can read it on a flight. Let me put it this way. If you're getting ready to fly somewhere, buy this book and you'll be finished with it by the time you get there. But this was written for politicians. Uh, actually, we did the book release in Washington, D.C. with Senator Lummis at the release to help us promote the book. This is to help educate people who are making laws about how Bitcoin will be treated in the United States. Bitcoin is an opportunity. It is a life-changing, world-changing event that's happening. And I call it an event because it's causing the whole world, financial world, to change slowly but surely. Please keep up with, uh, if you want to keep up with me, check out my Twitter account. On Twitter, I'm Gary Leland. I'm Gary Leland most everywhere, 
But do be careful. There are a lot of people making fake Gary Leland accounts to try to take advantage of you. So do be careful. I want to thank you for watching this show and spending the time with us today. And I look forward to seeing you or talking to you next week, whether you're listening to the show on audio or watching on your television. Till then, have a good one and stack some sats.